Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast hosted by me, Tim Cato. Uh, we're part of the athletic network of podcasts. And tonight I'm joined by Saad Youssef, a local all-everything writer, you could say, um, for The Athletic Dallas. He covers pretty much everything that's sports-related in the Metroplex. You know, if, if, if you're moving and there is a ball involved, Saad's on it in some capacity. Uh, but tonight he was here covering the Mavericks-Clippers game, a very um, solemn game, as it turned out. Saad, besides the circumstances, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, the circumstances aren't great, but uh, but it was a big game, national television. Um, you know, the Mavericks are going to be getting a lot used to having games like these against these kind of opponents, obviously. Yeah, weirdly, the only NBA game played tonight, uh, which is just one of those weird quirks of the schedule with uh, with MLK Day being yesterday. I think uh, 28 teams were in action. Uh, these are the two teams that were not. They played uh, as as the as the sole Tuesday night. Um Let's cut right to it. The, the score was uh, ended up being Clippers 110, Mavericks 107. Uh, but the first thing to talk about, of course, is, is Dwight Powell, uh, who went down with what is presumed and expected to be a torn Achilles. It looked like an Achilles from the very start. I was uh, probably 15 to 20 feet away from it uh, when it happened. Um, it, it, it wasn't quite sure, you know, it wasn't quite clear why Powell immediately went down. And then you kind of realized non-contact. You saw him clutching at his, you know, going for his ankle. You saw he was very clearly in pain. You saw the Mavericks immediately. I don't even know what happened on the other end of the court. I saw players run down there very, very quickly. They're, you know, I, I don't even know if the Mavs took a foul. But it was it was very obvious immediately that they were going to get the game stopped and, and you know, get Powell off the court because, of, you know, serious. And, and to me, you know, as soon as I processed it, within the seconds that I processed it, it was it was very clear that, you know, this was almost certainly going to be an Achilles just by the way it looked. Um, because the sad thing about Achilles is they do all kind of look look alike, look the same. Um, it's it's when somebody, you know, plants his foot behind him, pushes off, and then there's just that recoil and, and it all kind of reacts. So so yeah, that's that's uh, that's the tragic thing. Saw it. I mean, you've you've written several times. Uh, I, I know at least once, you know, really about, uh, you know, what Dwight has done off the court. I, I think I think a few times if, if my memory serves correct. You know, I guess just what does he mean to this franchise? I described him on Twitter as, as someone who's really taking what Dirk has done for this franchise in, in, in the way that he has the in, in, has the team play or, or the culture that he is at, that he's created here. He's really someone who carries that forward. You know, in what ways do you think? you know, he does embody that. Yeah, I think exactly that. And I mean, I, you know, it was after I saw your tweet that I kind of started Googling it. And, you know, it, it took me like two seconds to realize that Dwight is the second longest tenured Maverick on the roster aside from J.J. Barea. So when you talk about carrying that culture, he's been here since 2014 when he came as a little add-on, as a throw-in in the Ray John Rondo trade. And so since then, I mean, you know, the hard work, the enthusiasm, all that stuff. I mean, just today, literally today in the pregame locker room, um, assistant coach Jamal Mosley is walking outside the locker room and Dwight Powell, as you've seen often, just comes like a bullet running through. And he's the only guy that does that. You know, he comes running through the locker room every single time um, saying hello to everybody, everything like that. It, it, just the like you said, I, the Nowitzkian culture, as you dubbed it, I think that was a really good way to put it because he carries that forward and it, just to see what he meant you were sitting there like 15 20 feet away from wh where he was on that end of the court i was sitting near closer to the other end of the court 
And right when I was, uh, right when I, the player started coming down, one or two guys, like when they looked back, they just threw their head back in disappointment. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. actually, once the action stopped, he went and was like, I would say about five to 10 feet away from uh, Powell and just dropped to the ground and sat there. I mean, for, for a while while everyone else was kind of crowding him. And so you can just tell like this, this, we'll we'll get to the on the court stuff in just a second but just from a morale and everything standpoint this was just an absolute gut punch yeah i'll say again officially um according to the team it is a right achilles injury it is not confirmed to be a, a rupture but uh from the way carlisle was talking from the way it's been reported uh the athletic shams uh, trania has also reported that that you know it's it is expected to be a a full rupture and uh, certainly that is uh, the, the, the worst uh, possible case scenario. Um, I, I think that we can save most of the talk about, you know, what will happen uh, to the team. I, I guess in, 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 in a brief summation, uh, the, the team, you know, if, if Dwight is out for the year, they can apply for a designated uh, injury exception. They, they can go have a roster spot without making any moves so they could sign someone. They could, uh, you know, go find someone uh, in, in Europe or you know, or, or in the G league or, or they could make a trade. They have a trade exception. There are ways to go get another big man on this roster. In the meantime, Porzingis, Boban and, and Maxi will be asked to do some uh, heavy lifting. Um, I, I do think that this is a really good opportunity to use Porzingis at center more frequently. You know, Justin Jackson weirdly didn't get uh, any minutes this game, uh, but, but, you know, he's going to have to play some, you know, as, you know, as a backup for to Finney Smith, really is what this is going to end up being. But uh, I, I think we can we can kind of figure all of that out as, as time goes on right now. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's solemn. I, I mean, I think Carlisle's wording is, is right. And it's it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's always uh, it's never, never, uh, never a happy moment when something like this happens. And, you know, uh, here here it is happening to someone who was, you know, really absolutely a workhorse. And but but hey, it's a good franchise. You know, if you had to pick one franchise to have an Achilles on, you know, this, this franchise, uh, West Matthews. Uh, JJ Barea, like they've gone through support. You you wrote a long time, you know, a few years ago about you know the uh, the, the all the work that Wes Matthews put in. Right. Yeah. The Wesley Matthews thing was one thing, but then I think the Barea thing is even is not only is it more recent, but it's a it's a greater example of hope for Dwight Powell because think about it. Well, there's two parallels that I'll, I'll draw. Dwight Powell is two months older than what Wesley Matthews was when he tore his Achilles, so they're basically the same age. On the flip side, Barea was much older last year when he tore his Achilles, as you pointed out, pretty much exactly one year ago, almost. Somewhere right around here was when, when Barea tore his Achilles. It might have been a couple weeks. Uh, I want to say it was maybe the second week of January, not the third, but but yeah, it was it was remarkably similar. Yeah, and so, but but look how Barea came back. I mean, at, he was at a much more advanced age than Dwight, and yet he came back before the year. I mean, like he was ready when the season started. So that's what like that's that's a nine, 10 month recovery. And Berea came back to looking like, you know, the way that he was now, you know, they play different positions. So different athleticism and, and requirements from that standpoint. And, and as you said, we'll get into that later. But um, I do think, like you said, if there's any franchise that knows how to handle this, it's definitely the Mavericks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you could quibble with with the level Berea has come back to just just because we don't really know. He hasn't, you know, obviously played a consistent role this this season and has been used as more of an energy guy. But but certainly he does look good on the court, you know, when he's on there. Uh, his the, the time that he came back in is is remarkable. I, I, I can't think of any example of someone who has 
who has uh, come back uh, as as quickly as uh, Berea off the top of my head. Uh, so yeah, like you said, it's it's a it's a franchise that that is at least very well equipped to you know deal with deal with uh, Pal you know to give him the best possible tools to really get back to where he needs to be and and and, and to rehab from this injuries, but. But yeah, no, no question. It, it was it was definitely something that that sapped uh, sapped all the energy out of the arena and and from the team really for a while. Uh, to that note, you know, I, I'm I'm shocked that this was even a game, and, and to some capacity, you know, it's it's uh it would have been it would have been a cool storyline, you know, even however fleeting if, if they had been able to come back and win, and you know they're in position to. It, it, Tim Hardaway rimmed out three from tying the game with uh, seconds left. Just before, I think Skip Bayless has already already tweeted it, so you know that's already out there. But uh, but yeah, Carlisle was pretty adamant that was the right play to to kick to him. Like, there's no question there that that Tim Hardaway Jr. right now is the better shooter, right? Right. No, not only is there any question, but we can't criticize people for making the right play. And you know, as Rick Carlisle said, Tim Hardaway Jr. right now is one of the best shooters on the team. And and so, like, if you're wide open against the Clippers team, do I take a contested? Luca shot over a wide open Tim Hardaway shot. I don't think at this point I do not not from not from the range and the attention that Luca was going to be under. We've seen this with LeBron James time and time again. We saw it in 2011 with with you know guys like Skip, but just in general people that like you know want to criticize for making the right play. And I think it's just you know it's unfortunate. And if you want to criticize Luca for anything, it's the missed free throw. And and you could say like you know he needs to make that free throw because he for sure does need to make that. In that situation, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about the struggles in the clutch. But yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's more critical. I'm not critical of Luca making that pass, though. So you had a different angle than me. I, I was real close up, real tight with it. I, I haven't seen a replay. We always record these pods right after the games. And, uh, you know, a, a pass is, you know, a pass to a missed shot is not always the the gift that is is always on my Twitter timeline. So I, so I haven't seen the replay yet. How... Like Luca was a little deeper and his body was kind of turned the wrong way if he were to shoot. Is is that right? Yeah, I think if he was going to shoot that, he was going to have to take two steps, two steps up to get a little closer and then resort to a step back, which, you know, we know that he can make that, but that it was going to be contested. Whereas Tim Hardaway Jr. was just wide open on the right wing, you definitely make that pass. Yeah, I, I think you know you could make probably a fair criticism uh, that that maybe he should have been squared up to the basket a little bit more. Maybe you know when he did realize how open he was, he should have been inching up to, to so that he was in position to you know shoot that shot uh, when when the ball did come to him. I, I think you can also say that as their careers go on, you're going to want Luca taking more of these shots, you know, late late in games than Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, but but I think in this isolated setting, there's no question in my mind uh, that that, you know, the only mistake that Luca even possibly could have made was just kind of the way he set up for that shot. Once he caught the ball, the the by far the, the, the right decision was to swing it immediately. Tim Hardaway has been very good this season. Uh, of course, you know, you can argue again that, you know, he's shooting way above his his career averages, but he is shooting above his career averages. You know, you have to you have to take that sample size into account. Uh, in just the fact that he's been consistently solid. And even in this game, you know, he uh, before shooting that shot, he was uh, three of six on threes before shooting that shot. He was three of six on threes. So, you know, he 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 was coming into that with a with a decent sample size. It's not like he had bricked, you know, one of 10 or, or something like that. So, you know, I, I think that is the right decision. Uh, yeah, the free throw shooting has been weird. They keep missing them. I, I don't know what's up with that. Are you uh, you got some uh, some super secret insight here? No, I you know, it, it's tough because I. 
I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, there, I, I don't know how you work on it except for repetition when it comes to free throws. So that's something that Luca just has to make. He knows that he has to make that. His reaction, we were talking about it before the game, ironically, about just his the, the way that he his reactions are. You can just tell that it hurts him when he doesn't make that. All I'll say, the last thing on, on that, is, I you know, you can't blame him for making the pass to Hardaway. I just... You know, whether it's Hardaway shooting or Seth Curry, th- those role players are going to have to make these shots as as time goes on. Do, do, would you like Luca to make it? Yeah, but again, when you're down three, I think it was 108-105 <clears throat> at that point, and there were like 16 seconds left. That's also a situation where you have to now be on high alert that the Clippers, which they ended up doing the right thing later on anyways, that they're going to start fouling. And so when, you, when, when you're when you under the threat that they're going to start fi- fouling and have the math settle for two, you have to have the confidence to make the pass and get a three-pointer off because that's what you ultimately want to do. Now, could you have set it up better for maybe Seth Curry? Now, Seth Curry was 0 for 2 tonight. So, you know, to your point, Hardaway Jr. was, was, was even better. So, I think that's where you're kind of uh, looking. Sorry, I think Seth Curry didn't even shoot a three pointer. Or he's two of three. Two of three. Okay. So, so the opposite of of what? But no, no. Your your point. Your point. I think I, I feel. I hear you. I think that as much as we have talked about this Mavs crunch time offense and the struggles, it does seem like sometimes they just don't make shots. Like like hey, the like execution is good. A a good shooter ends up with a ball and and the ball doesn't go in the basket. So I, I don't I don't really know what the answer is to that. I honestly I am more inclined to think that's just random variation and some bad luck. Yeah, that is this bit. this was not the game that you wrote the clutch problems off of where they didn't even get a shot off um, at the end of that game uh, with a bad pass and stuff. This was not that kind of clutch struggles. This was just you know two teams are getting paid and 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 you know the Clippers are going to make plays as well. And uh, the Mavericks had a chance in front of them, and it was just unlucky. It just rimmed out. It's hard for me to come down too hard on that and, and think that it's anything other than, you know, just just unfortunate uh, circumstances and things like that. The last thing we should talk about before we get out of here is Chris Porzingis. Of course, he returned after missing 10 straight games. He uh, was four of seven, which is worse than I would have thought, you know, four as 17. someone. For, he wishes he was four of seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, watching him and, and not, you know, paying attention to the box score, you know, religiously throughout the game, you know, certainly he missed a lot of shots. So I was I was fully aware of that, but four or seventeen, yikes. Um I think I think I think he looked fine though. You know, it, it was uh the the more concerning thing to me is is, you know, not that he's gonna, you know, be a fundamentally different player now. It's just that that, you know, he didn't miss the ten games. Like like other than that, he looked like the same player, just a little rusty and you know, and and you know, the player he was before Plenty of room to critique that player, I think, uh, especially just the way that he's been missing shots, kind of like he did tonight. But in, in terms of of what Porzingis did look look to look to be on the court, you know, and you know all that, I, I thought he looked fine. Yeah, I thought physically he moved around fine. The only concern is that you know if if he keeps having these these uh, stretches of time where he misses ten games. Well, it's going to take two or three games to come back. Then how many games is he going to stay on the court before he misses another stretch? And then we're back to talking about, oh, it's going to take him two, three games to come back. So that's where the concern is with Porzingis. But, you know, after the game, again, we were both in the locker room. We're, we talked to him and, uh, and you know, he was his pretty typical self. I mean, he he shouldered all the blame, said that they lost the game because of how he played, which you know, an argument can be made that that might be true. But, you know, one thing that strangely just pops off off the box score is that 
uh, with Porzingis, they were a minus one in the plus minus. Maxi Kleba, they were minus 17. And that's like an anomaly on that. Like everything else is within, you know, five, six, seven. But then there's the Maxi. I don't know how much weight you put into that and, and how you judge that. Not much, but. But yeah. it's just like, it's just one thing that just pops up. But, you know, going forward with Porzingis, it's going to be interesting because we saw a lot of Bobby and Porzingis on the court today um, together more than I think we're used to seeing or at least to the naked eye. I don't know all the numbers behind it yet. That's something that's going to be, you know, something to watch with Powell out because Powell, as Donnie Nelson has said before, is the picture perfect fit for Porzingis on the court when it comes to a basketball standpoint. Obviously, that's not going to be there. Maxi's still a good fit because he's that four or five hybrid. But I just I just think that, you know, Porzingis, it's going to take him a game or two to get back. But you know, the player that he was right before he started getting scratched for these 10 games, he was getting back to being a good system player. He's still making a difference on the defensive end. Just you need him to be a more offensive threat. That'll come in time. He looked really good defensively. I, I thought he really bothered Los Angeles for, for long stretches of this game. You know, I, I think that Maxi is a good shot blocker, but but his his shot blocking is a little more limited than Porzingis. He's not someone, you know, he did it from time to time last year, but by far, Porzingis is the player that you plant at the rim and you just challenge whoever, you know, dares come at him. Whereas Maxi is more someone who can surprise you from behind or he could block you on a switch. Uh, you know, it's just different different styles. And, and Porzingis, I think, is, you know, the more impactful of those two styles. So, so I do think it's pretty important that he's back. You know, I, I thought that throughout the game, you know, that that showed up in, in major ways. Um, and so I think that's that's a relief offensively you know it was the same shots i felt like the same shots he's always been getting you know th- throughout the season uh once again you know like, like some games in the past they didn't really go down but what what can you say about that it's it's not you know either either they go down or they don't either he fixes us or, the, or he doesn't you know I, I don't know i don't know what there is to say about it I, I don't know that you know he's doing something fundamentally wrong it looks like you know like a lot of the shots are, are good looks they're similar to what he was doing in new york they're similar to shots that used to go down a lot more frequently when when he was in a different circumstance, yeah, you know, you just have to figure they, they will go again. You know, you can't radically, you know, you can't ask them to turn into Maxi Clavo where, you know, he stops taking these pick and pops, pop looks if they're inside the arc, you know, unless he's just absolutely wide open. You know, you can't ask them to do a lot of a lot of these things where, where he just becomes a, a complete role player. That's not what you're paying him to do. So, you know, I, I, it's it's hard for me to, to see, um, you know, him playing much differently. I just, I, you know, in a in a results uh, not not in the results, but it been in an, in an execution manner. It's just the results that have to be a little bit different. So for me, it just comes back to that knee and the health, and and, and certainly it's not a good thing that you know he missed ten games with nothing. You know, it was it was a sore knee that 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 just turned into something worse and worse and worse. And you know, it was never diagnosed as anything other than a sore knee. And, it, and as far as we know, it wasn't. It was just a knee that dragged on and it caused him to miss three weeks of basketball. And, to it, me, was, and it was the other knee. Yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that makes sense to some capacity. You know, obviously once one knee gets injured, you're always going to overcompensate onto the other one and there's going to be issues that way. But concerning to me uh, is, is, is that more than anything else? Yeah. Also one thing to keep in mind is aside from him constantly coming back from injuries, whether it's 20 months or 10 games, whatever it is, aside from him doing that, he's also really adjusting to this new role. I know he had Melo in New York, but but he's never really had this kind of a dominant force the way Luca is. I mean, Luca has the third highest usage percentage in the NBA right now. Like everything runs through Luka Doncic. And so he's also it's, adjusting. It's down to, to third that. now? 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's also. I can't believe two players have surpassed him. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's, he's, uh, Christoph Porzingis is also getting used to that whole aspect of things. And we'll see how that, how that continues to happen. Rhythm is a very real thing for a shooter, though. Remember Tim Hardaway Jr. at the end of last year? And heck, even for part of the beginning of this year, before he really went back into the starting lineup and found the groove, rhythm is a real thing. And once he finds that rhythm, I think he'll be fine. But he's going to have to find his place in the system, which all revolves around Luka. Hey, thanks, Odd. I appreciate you jumping on here. No, that was that was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, as, as much fun as a, I think a postgame pod can be um in a uh in a very strangely lit closet-like room that we found here at the american Airlines center thank you everyone for listening uh to a abbreviated post-game pod uh we'll have another podcast later this week with our uh, usual co-hosts once again uh thanks for tuning in